This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What's cracking, beer lovers? Hey, hey, hey. I, we did the thing. We did all the things. We talked about like four different soteriological positions. <laughs> That's Dude. what is it? Eight weeks worth eight of weeks, content. Eight weeks of content on this soteriology. Is, this isn't. Uh, no, because did we do an intro episode, or did we just jump right into reformed? I don't remember. I think we just jumped into reformed, but I can't remember. Oh, it's like somewhere between eight and ten weeks uh, of soteriology. So that's a long time. <laughs> it's a long time. That's a long. When time. I think we skipped a week of publishing in this in this podcast, we did. Um, we did, we did, we did. Yep. Um, yeah. Anyways. Um, so, Hey, what, what's you drinking there? Well, actually it, oddly enough, matches my shirt. It does kind of match your shirt. Which, uh, shout out to the people watching on YouTube. I'm wearing a master's green polo for master's week. Yep. Augusta national this week. Big day in the golf world. And for the rest of us, we're like, don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, Masters Week is kind of only the most important week in golf every year. But okay, yeah. So uh, exciting stuff. But it is exciting stuff. I am drinking actually a new beer. Well, I don't know if it's new, but it's new to me. Um, It's a delicious beer. Yeah, it's from St. Arnold's, which you all know is one of our favorite breweries. Hey, St. Arnold. <laughs> yeah. You want to partner with us? Come on. Yeah, sponsor episode. Come on. We're neighbors. Help us out. <laughs> uh, I'll be at your, uh, I'll be at your, you know, your, your spot in Houston on Monday. Like uh, we support y'all. Join the fun. Yeah. Um, we could have some fun, y'all. But I am drinking, Clayton, you got me this for my birthday, actually. I did. And it's called the Double Down. Mm-hmm. Double Down, double IPA. And the tagline is, all in on hops. Yeah, it, it's super interesting because, well, I'm going to let you talk about it whenever you crack it. But uh, also, just FYI, um, you want to get your hands on it. It is 9.2%. Yeah, um, be careful. So be careful. Be careful. Um, but, anyways, yeah, super cool beer. I actually, I'm really impressed with it. But really, and you don't like doubles that much. No, I do. I love doubles. Well, but only some. If they're really citrusy and not mellow, like Uber Hop Ford, you no, can, it depends on my mood. Oh, uh, okay, maybe that's what it is. It depends on my mood. Because um, I know, like the 90 minute Dogfish Head, it's not your favorite. The I wouldn't one, call it my favorite. I do really enjoy it. Well, I know you really like the 120. I do really like the 120, but the 90 minute. Um, I do enjoy, mm. um, it just, I don't want to drink that all the time. Oh, see, um, and I could drink it all day, every day. Yeah. Well, that's not true. I'm not a drunk, but <laughs> yeah, like I, if I could afford to have that beer around, yeah, I'd probably drink it once a month, mm. but like, I probably wouldn't like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyways, I got one of my favorites, um, and um. I know for a lot of you that actually watch, this is one of your favorites too. The Guinness Extra Stout. Yep. Um, it's more. It's. I, I don't. I don't feel comfortable calling this craft anymore. <laughs> no, 
Yeah, um, it's definitely more macro. Yeah, um, but it is still fantastic. Um, Very good beer. It is 5.6%. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like Good, just solid, solid beer. Yep, solid stout. So, Let's cheers, buddy. These. Cheers. Yeah, that's just amazing. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the story about where I had this beer for the first time? I have two guesses. What are your two guesses? Guess number one, somewhere in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Guess number two... Somewhere super pretentious in Europe. <laughs> uh, somewhere in between. <laughs> um, it was at an Irish pub in, in Antwerp. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, I keep hearing this this Guinness. I, I got I to gotta try it. I keep hearing about it. I got to try it. Yeah. And I, I did, and I was sold. Yeah. It just took me by, I don't know. Like it's a panty dropper beer. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I just love it. All right, so what's happening? It's there? a good beer. Yeah, so I just I really like it. It's very mellow, double IPA, really hop forward, but it's not slap you cross face citrus nonstop. Yeah, uh, just a very good, well balanced kind of hop experience yeah no uh that's what i remember about it is that it's it's pretty pretty well balanced um yep um not super citrusy but like just enough there on the back end yep um to keep you interested yep really really good balance there okay so let's get into the theology portion um do this because um, I don't think this is going to take too terribly long. Um, I don't think so. We're just we're wrapping up loose ends here. Yeah. Um, I mean, so we started with. So we did this for for all four perspectives, right? We we talked about the the theological implications. Yep. And then we talked about the biblical connections. Yep. Um, and so when when you look at it like that, obviously we can't hit everything. Correct. Right. Um, we tried to. Yep. As best we could. But we started with Reformed soteriology, mm-hmm. specifically Reformed soteriology, right? We said yep. that plenty of times. It's not Reformed theology because Reformed theology is a whole other thing. Much more encompassing of It's, of it's more systematic than, theology. Yep. Um, but we talked about Reformed soteriology. We talked about Romans 9. Um, and the, the Cain and Abel, or not Cain and Abel, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob and Esau. Yeah, Romans 8 and 9 we talked about. Yeah. Um, we talked about um, Arminian theology. Yeah, because um, that's really just the soteriology. Yeah. There's not much outside of it. Um, and we talked about um, how an Arminian would read Romans 8 and 9, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how they would deal with the Jacob and Esau uh, uh, story there. 
Well, I think Ivan took you back to the Jacob and Esau story and showed you how Esau chose to marry the wrong person. Yeah. Um, and then you and Dr. Blackwell mm-hmm. talked about um, deification, theosis, participationist theology. Yep. Um, and uh, then we ended on Catholic soteriology. Mm-hmm. Um which I don't even feel comfortable calling using that language as Catholic soteriology. Um, they probably wouldn't use it for themselves. Yeah, but that's we, why I don't feel comfortable using that language. I mean, we do have to find a way to, I mean, we have to be able to categorize what they're doing there. And so yeah. I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. Does that make oh, sense? I'm, yeah, I'm fine doing it. but Because um, it's, it's more all-encompassing than just a soteriological position. But... Um, Anyways, so that's been our journey. Yep. Um, is there anything that you want to wrap up that you want to come back to? Well, I do I do want to hone in on a couple things. First and foremost, one thing that we didn't talk about in any of those positions are the role of baptism in soteriology. Oh, yeah. We did kind of leave that out. Um, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> which is kind of important. So, I didn't want to bring it up in any of them because in each of them... It, it all looks a little bit different. Well, well, not just it looks a little bit different, but even in each of them there are people on each end of the spectrum, even within that tradition about what baptism is and accomplishes the, excuse me, the exception to that rule would be an Arminian theology. Arminian theology, baptism is literally just a symbol. Yeah. Like it's just a thing you're supposed to do, Yep. but it doesn't mean anything outside of the outward display of the inward change kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in reform soteriology, people are on both sides of that. Yeah. Uh, baptism actually saves you or it doesn't. Um, for most, or it at least has some part in salvation. Yeah. For most reform Baptist people, baptism doesn't save you. Right. But the Anabaptists are kind of making a comeback at places and, I see that landscape changing a lot mm-hmm. in in our circles yeah. or in circles that are adjacent to us. So we'll see how that plays out. Participationist or deification soteriology, by and large, all over the place. But probably more given over to a sacramental view of baptism because mm-hmm. the Orthodox are the main contributors of um, deification or theosis. Mm-hmm. And they would believe that they would have a sacramental view of baptism. And Catholics would have a sacramental view of baptism. Yep. So um, Almost exclusively. Yeah. So really all over the place on these that the baptism really does have a place for it. And if you're looking for... Uh, kind of like a biblical foundation, 
I would encourage you to go look at the words of Jesus that Jesus says, repent, believe, and be baptized for, that's the key word there, for the remission of sins. So if you're looking for one, there it is. You can also look at some narratives in Acts where they baptize whole households, including children, um, and baptize them immediately. I mean, just there are a lot of things there in the text that can lead you to, and actually, I think most things in the text probably lead you to baptizing immediately, and that it has some role in salvation. I mean, Romans 6 yeah. would be another one. Paul says this is our participation in the death and resurrection. I mean, yeah. I um, mean, dead to sin and alive in Christ. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's pretty important. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely pretty important. Um, it's definitely there, and it's not hard to find. Yeah. So I did want to point that out. I, I didn't just pass that over on purpose. I, yeah. I chose to wait because they're all over the place. Each of those positions are all over the place on where baptism is. Um, and even within their own tradition, they're all over the place. Yeah. But the other thing that I really want to hone in on here, and I've said it, I feel like I've said it in almost every episode, But like everybody's reading the Bible. Yeah. Like that's so important for me that I hear a lot of Christians say, you know, well, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible also says this. Yeah. Um, and, <sighs> and I say it all the time, but like if we're using one-off verses to build theologies, we're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now here's the problem. Everyone uses one-off verses. <laughs> to well, some every, everyone does it and no one does it. Yeah. Right? Because in my theology, I don't do it. But in yours, you definitely do. Right? Hypothetically. Right. I was personally. like, hold yeah, up. Not yeah. you personally. No, I see. But And, yeah, so I see where you're going. Um, you might be able to pick out one verse that supports one thing. Yep. Right? But there could be... A whole mess of scripture that supports other pieces of their theology, right? And that kind of fit into a more systematic theology and soteriology, right? Um, you just don't know that. Yep. Um, because, like you said, we are all just reading the Bible. We're all reading the Bible, and and here's the I I get really frustrated with people because they go, "Well, you know, so and so is just not reading the Bible. Pick a tradition, right?" Yeah. You're just not reading the Bible. Well, that's not it. They are reading the Bible. The problem is that they've they've honed in on one key text that they think's really vital, mm-hmm. and it's changed the way that they view the rest of the texts. Yeah, it's so I can only speak to my own tradition, but. For deification, I mean, it's Psalm 82, 6. Mm. But you are gods. You're called sons of God. Yeah. Um, sons of the Most High. Like, And then Jesus himself uses that in John 10. Mm-hmm. So I can take that one. I can take those two verses and then litter in the places like Colossians and, and some of these other places in Paul where I see it. But I don't really have to do anything with Romans 9. No. 
right? I can kind of pass that over. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, in a Reformed tradition, I can really hone in on Romans 8 through 11. And I, you still have to do something with that in participationist theology. You just might read it more like an Arminian would. Well, no, no, no. You, you just do something else. I mean, you, you hone in on Romans 8. Romans you still 8. need to do something, though, with Paul quoting um, Jacob and love, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. Right? You still have to do something with that. You have to do something with anything. The, the yeah. problem is, is that an Arminian and a Reformed person can both have that conversation, and they're pointing at each other, you got to do something with that. Mm-hmm. And then they each go, yeah, but you got to do something with this text right. that you can't. Yeah, we all have those texts where we go, yeah, not real sure what to do with that. Right. No, uh, I guess that's because fair. they don't fit. Right. We, yeah, I guess that's fair. And that, that's the point that I really want to make here is that everybody's reading the Bible, and we're all having a conversation that we're incapable of knowing every answer to. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah. Is. I've done a lot of study on this. I got several degrees in this world. Like I know theology through and through. The more theology I learn, the less answers I feel like I have. Yeah. Well, so the more questions you have. Yeah. Well, not not necessarily questions because I don't know that I leave there going, yeah, I have questions, but I definitely get to a place where I go, yeah, I don't know the answer. Hmm. But I also don't know that I find myself needing to know the answer either. Yeah. Because I, I just understand that God is vast and it is impossible for me a line that's trying to explain this cube to truly understand what is happening here. And who knows? I, I've been saying this for years and people um laugh at me and go oh no somebody's got to be right but like who knows like we could all be wrong oh that's very possible like we could all be wrong yeah um and god's just sitting up there laughing like you guys don't even know the half of it (laughs) yeah paul paul could be right in first corinthians 15 that we should be baptized on behalf of the dead yeah but we don't know like no i mean we're we're trying to figure it out and that, that's why I wanted to do this episode is because if there's one request that I could make of the people of Wellhouse Church, mm-hmm. both those that attend in person and those that participate online, and we say it all the time, but like respect perspectives. Please, like, please. Because we genuinely, none of us are definite in how we understand these things. We need to have grace for those that view it differently than us. Because here's one thing that I've come to understand. And I want to credit my friend Josh Hilburn for helping me here. But I'm just eternally convinced at this point that if church is not a place of healing and wholeness, we're doing it wrong. And so often what I see church becoming is a place where we point and rebuke at other Christians because we think they're doing it wrong. Now, I want to be careful. I don't want to step on too many toes here, but 
pretty sure that doesn't lead to a place of healing and wholeness. Yeah. I think that's more divisive. I don't, I don't think that's wholesome. It's division and destruction. Yeah. And so here's what I would say. The Bible says that anyone who confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. Cool. I can't argue with that at all. Nope. But that ain't a soteriology. Nope. I think each one of those people could, each category of those four could do all those things. Yeah. So we would say they're all saved. Yeah. Now, there's another category of that. I don't feel that I have the power to say whether or not somebody's saved. That's between them and the Lord. Yep. I'm given the position based on tradition to be able to say if someone is a Christian, yep. but apparently there's less qualifications to be saved than there is to be a Christian. Yeah. But even still, each of those four categories of people, I think firmly are rooted within Orthodox Christianity and would affirm the creeds. Yeah. So fine. Like all's fair, right? So with that, when Paul talks about the bride of Christ, Mm. are each of those in there? Absolutely. So shouldn't we be striving for the unity of the body rather than to break it into more pieces? Yeah. Um, Honestly, so soteriological positions... Um, have split churches in our tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I have seen where um, churches who were Arminian split from the Reformed people in the congregation mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yep. Happens less now, um, or at least to my knowledge, less now, um, but happened pretty regularly. Um, you know, decade ago. Um, that's a problem, church. That is a problem. Um, I think what it is, it just goes to show that we have more of a capacity and need to be right than to be loved. Well, and I also think it goes back to, um, human's innate nature is wrath right you know as paul talks about in ephesians like we talked about on a closer look not last week no last week um human's innate nature is wrath not grace not acceptance not inclusion our natural state is to fight yeah um and if you have one perspective and you see the world through one lens and somebody disagrees with you, you're likely ready to start throwing punches. Mm-hmm. Seeing that happen in churches too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sad. <laughs> um, well, it just goes to show that so often our priorities are not in the right place that being right is all that matters. And 
So I wanted to do these series because we got a lot of people at Wells that are coming from a lot of different places and traditions. They come with a lot of different backgrounds. And a lot of them come from each and every one and others of these traditions. Yeah. And so here's here's what I would say is like we always talk about, the creeds are the lake. Anything that happens inside the lake is fair game. All of these are firmly within the, they're all within the lake. Yeah. And so, above all, love well and respect perspective.